Well, I'm not sure anyone likes packing for trips. Because the goal is to get everything that you need here for there into here. And that puts on a certain level of stress because we begin to fear almost immediately that we are going to forget something that's essential that we're going to need and there won't be any way to get it where we're going. Lisa and I, as uh, maybe some of you heard, went on a cruise this last week. It was a late celebration for our 30th wedding anniversary. We, um, thank you. Uh, we, we, we had our anniversary in June and didn't have anything really uh, planned. And so we decided to take a trip with some friends. And um, you can't really buy anything on the cruise ship. It's, it's, so when you pack, you really have to pack even more into, and I'm a, I would, some would categorize it as an overpacker to begin with. I would call it a wise, mature, strategic packer. When I pack, I consider the fact that there might be. Even though the weather forecast doesn't say so, there could be a cold front in the middle of a tropical summer. And so I will pack all of the clothes for daytime summer shorts, t-shirts, but what if it's freezing and we just, I don't want to get caught off guard. And so I'll pack the sweatshirts and jeans and long socks and then short no-show socks for the tennis shoes. And then of course, you know, we got to get, uh, let me, um, let me see if I can get some of the stuff here that we got to bring along. And if the hotel, if the hotel has a hairdryer, I guarantee they do, but it's the little kind that's about this long and it makes a bunch of noise, but never dries your hair. So I'm bringing my, I'm bringing my own and I don't like to uh, sleep without noise. So I have to have some white noise. And I don't know if you've ever tried to set a hotel alarm clock. Somebody has been there before you and, and compromise it. They've hacked it as the kids say, and you'll never get woken up correctly. So you want to bring your own alarm clock. And then of course, I, I, here's my theory. You have to anticipate that you will likely lose control of your bodily functions up to three times a day. It may have never happened to you before, but if you are some kind of, I mean, honestly, we're not filthy cave-dwelling children on our way to summer camp who packs one pair of underwear for every day. That's what cretins and slobs do. You have to pack, I mean, if it's a three-day trip, you bring, let's see, we got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. That's three a day. And let's just say one day happens to be a sweatier day than normal. And then you throw in 10 and 11. And by the way, yes, those are my real underwear. I picked the, I picked the least sexy ones so that I didn't cause anyone to stumble. And... Then, of course, you got to get the rest of your clothes 
in there. And so if you're good, you've got it all in there. This is a great idea. This, there is nothing wrong with doing it this way. Until that is, you have to go to the airport and you have to get this onto the scale. And then you have one of those friendly airline attendants that tells you you're overweight. So you're going to have to pull some stuff out of there. And you say, I don't know, is your scale right? That only feels like 25 pounds to me. Are you sure that it's 114 like it said on the scale? I don't, I honestly don't think my elliptical machine weighed that much when I put it in there. Because I put the screws and the bolts and the carry-on, so I'm almost positive it's not overweight. You know, there's a reason actually that airlines don't let you take everything you want and weigh your bags down as much as you want. Number one, it's for the baggage handler's safety. If they're handling bags that are overweight, they can be injured. Number two, they don't want a thing that goes into the air overweighted with all of our stuff so that it endangers every single person on their journey. And so here's what they'll tell you. This either stays here and you can go to your destination or you need to unload some stuff because this and you are not going together to your destination. That of course is the journey that you and I are on in our lives. Asking the question how much does our life weigh? Because what happens, you see airports have this objective uh, scale that tells us when we're overweight. There's no mistaking it. It might be off by a pound or two, but the reality is it gives us a pretty accurate assessment of exactly where we're at on weight. And they'll tell you it's 50 pounds or 55 pounds or it's 70 pounds. At 70, you don't even get to take it. At 50, you get to pay a big, big fee to take it along with you. But what about the things in our life that can't be weighed on a scale? What about the things that we have been picking up since childhood that have occurred in our lives along the way that have happened to us that we're carrying with us in a way that we can't at the end of the day go set it on a scale weigh it and decide whether we should continue to carry it or not. So what we have to do is, whether it's real luggage and real baggage or whether it's those things I just talked about, the trauma, the hurt, the circumstances, the pain, the betrayal, the failures, the mistakes, the wounds, the things that we've gone through that we can't seem to forget given the right circumstance or given the right moment, given the right smell, the right sound, the right song, the right conversation, those things come back to the surface and we can see pretty quickly that um, we haven't let them go. So digging through that, at some point I have to say, is this thing important enough to me that I'm going to let it stop me from getting on to my destination? Do I love what's in there enough that I'm willing to not be with the people I love at the end of this trip? Is what I have worth holding on to 
to the degree that I'll have to let go of other important things that mean, hopefully should mean more. What do we do when we don't have that unbiased objective scale? There's a, um, a really toxic belief system that has come up in the church throughout centuries and sometimes we've done a good job of suppressing it and, 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 and covering it up, but it always reemerges. There's always a new generation that reignites these two beliefs. And the first one is this, as a follower of Christ, you're sort of exempt from hardship, pain, trauma, hurt, uh, terrible circumstances, disease, that bad things aren't going to happen to you. Or there's just this unspoken belief that that's going to be the case. If I become a Christ follower, I've got a magic genie in the sky who sort of puts a dome of protection around me. There's gonna be some discomfort and inconveniences, but I'm not actually going to ever have to really suffer. That's the first toxic belief. And the second toxic belief is this. If you are experiencing those things, if you've had sickness and pain and trauma and, and, and real circumstances that have come against you, then it's you that's the problem. You're at fault. God's angry, it's his wrath, the circumstances are there to punish you, or you're creating all of that for yourself. And so then you add on top of all of this stuff that you're carrying, the guilt and condemnation that you are responsible for bringing that, inviting that into your life. Paul had some incredible words of encouragement. Maybe he saw one of his own churches going through this, the church in Corinth, when he wrote this in 2 Corinthians 1, 3 through 4. What a wonderful God we have. He's the father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the source of every mercy and the one who so wonderfully, listen, comforts and strengthens us in our hardships and trials. And why does he do this? So that when others are troubled, needing our sympathy and encouragement, we can pass on to them the same help and comfort God has given us. I've kind of found that in Paul's letters or in Jesus's words, there was a, always a purpose, an intended arg, uh, audience for what they were saying. So there was always a purpose for the, for the, for the, for the thing, for the encouragement, for the admonition, for the, for the, for the lesson of the day. It's that there were some people clearly in, uh, experiencing things that were difficult for them and it was clashing with their faith. They were trying to understand how God and all of this pain and hardship and trauma and past circumstances could line up together and coexist inside of me at the same time. And Paul said, here's why that's possible, is because the pain you go through, possibly not caused by you and not caused by God, you go through it and God is present with you so that when you come out on the other side, you go, I actually know how to deal with this stuff now and you can help someone else do the same thing. In his letter to the Galatians, he writes this in Galatians 6 two, carry one another's burdens and in this you will fulfill the requirements of the law of Christ that is the law of Christian love. In other words, Paul said, the very essence of what we do as Christ followers, how we prove that we understand the law of love, love others as I have loved you, that's Jesus, that was his law for us. He says, I give you a new command. To love others as he loves us, and that is how we fulfill it, is that we help each other with our 
baggage because you know what's magical at an airport when you have a 56 pound bag is to have somebody standing next to you that's going on the same trip as you that's with you who has a 42 pound bag (laughs) and you say unzip sucker because some of this is going into there so for the next six weeks today and all through October we are going to go on a journey together in which we're going to cover some very specific things And we're going to help each other unpack the kind of things that we've been carrying around with us. But truthfully, I don't know that we all understand how much we're carrying with us. So we're going to ask ourselves a few important questions today. If you don't already have your notes out, go ahead and grab them. The goal is to end this series learning how to live an unburdened life an overweighted life. Can I promise you that you are not gonna have anything in this suitcase? I couldn't promise you that, and I'm not even sure it's supposed to go like that. But can I tell you that we were never meant to do this? We were never meant, and and by the way, after service, if anyone thinks I'm being dramatic and hyperbolic and exaggerating for the sake of illustration, I want you to know there's 110 pound weights in here. (laughs) I mean, I work out with that every day, all week, so it's not, I am being a little bit dramatic, just kind of like I can't normally carry that, but... If I want to experience an unburdened life, I have to, number one, be honest about all of the things that I'm actually carrying around. Be honest about all the things I'm actually carrying around. See if any of these things ring a bell, an ounce, a tablespoon, a cup, a liter, a mile, a kilometer, an inch, a yard, a pound, kilogram, a ton, and I could keep going on. Those are all widely understood and accepted terms of measuring things. We have always, since the beginning of time, coined phrases and used terms that allow us to give a value to something so that it can be measured because measuring something gives it its worth. It lets us understand the nature of the thing. It helps us understand the difference between something that's valuable or not that valuable, something that's dangerous or not that dangerous. It's the difference between knowing the carrots of a diamond and how much value it has because of that. There's a certain word we use to measure that. There's a certain standard we have to assess its value. And then to know how explosive something can be, we count the grains of gunpowder. And we know that the more there are, the more force and destructive power there is. So we understand the danger and the value of things by giving it measurement. We understand the worth and the size of something. And we can understand the weight of something. Because let me tell you this, actually those 110 pound weights in there are the kind that you can adjust. They can, you move these little slide things and then you can just pull out only the amount of weight that you wanna lift. You don't have to pick it all up. 
Because the kind of weight that you and I carry is typically not one big, huge event in our life. Not to say that that doesn't happen to some of us. It's just that most of us are carrying with us thing after thing after thing. Listen to what John 16, says. This is Jesus speaking. He says, I've told you all this so that you may have peace in me. I want you to know about life, but I want you to also receive it and filter it properly. Here on earth, you will have, you will have, not you may have, you will have many. Many is a term of measurement, trials and sorrows, but take heart because I've overcome the world. Now, Jesus didn't say you're going to have 732 trials and sorrows, or 1,900 or 28,000, 52 million. He didn't give a number to it because he was talking to a crowd of people in which he could not assess the number for all of them. But he said, for each of you, you're going to have a lot, a lot, many, many. Kind of discouraging if you think I've got to carry all that with me. You might think I'm not really carrying many sorrows, I don't think, or trials right now. That's probably true. But I want you to go back to the very beginning when you can start thinking about when you start really feeling affected by the way people thought of you or what people said to you, maybe in your childhood, the kind of hurtful words that were spoken to you, the accumulation, the, 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 the gathering together of all of the hurtful, traumatic, painful things that have happened in your life, in your marriage, in your friendships, in your spiritual journey, at work, in your own emotional processing, just things where it was just a really painful season. Does that qualify as many? Because I'm going to say something that you might disagree with, you're still carrying those things because if you can recall them, they are present with you. They are there with you, you have them accessible. It's in your bag. Religious, family, Marital trauma, disappointments, broken dreams, you set out to be something and you've not come close to being anything like that. Failures where you know that the brokenness you're experiencing is because of you. Betrayals in relationships where you might not have been the perfect spouse, but what they did to you was undeserved. Verbal, emotional, physical or sexual abuse. As a child or as a teen or as an adult, nobody deserves abuse on any level. Or the uncontrollable fears and anxiety, the, 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 the worrying that plagues your mind that you wish you could get rid of but can't seem to. Every single medical and mental health study and research shows that all of those things profoundly and negatively impact our ability to make current decisions, to make healthy choices, to stop bad habits like smoking or drinking or addiction or uh, sexual promiscuity, things we do to cover up the pain. 
It's all with us and it's all affecting us. Paul says this in Philippians 4, 6, what it looks like to carry the weight of something. He says, don't worry about anything, no matter what happens, tell God about everything, ask and pray and give thanks to him. Those are also terms of measurement. What is anything? Anything is a list of whatever pain, whatever worry, whatever anxiety, whatever hardship, hurt, sorrow, trial, difficulty, discomfort, whatever is causing your emotional and mental health to be impacted, where you are thinking about it, you're giving creative effort to it, you're giving time to it, it's causing something to happen inside of you. Write that down and you are going to see how much you're actually carrying. And then everything, tell God everything, is not only all that you're going through, but all that you've been through because you cannot deal with the stuff of today in a healthy way if you have not properly dealt with the stuff of the past. You're carrying all of that and adding more to it. So not only do you have this bag, you've got a full other set of bags and carry-ons and satchels and backpacks and things that you are picking up. And if you live longer, you'll continue to add more. And that is not a sustainable model for health. Number two is this, if I want to experience an unburdened life, I have to be honest about the reasons I choose to carry the things that I do. I mean, why would we carry that? So if you invite me over to help you kind of assess your baggage, I'd be willing to bet that you'd say, I don't want to carry any of this with me. I don't want to be dragging all of this around. I don't think anyone would honestly say they want to keep dragging that kind of heaviness in their life. But, 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 but. If I asked you, do you want to let this thing go? Will you leave this behind? Will you decide here and now to not pick this up? To leave it behind, behind forever? That is a totally different question. That is one that's much, much harder to answer. Here's why. Because everything that's happened to us helps make up the sum of who we are. The joy and the uh, loving things, the, the, the good things in our life, those things, they have a, a, a lightness to them. They have an airiness to them. But there's a weight to everything else. The cutting and hurtful words that we've heard that leave a mark on us, that scar us, that, 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 that kind of put its roots into our, our soul, our spirit, our mind, our emotions, and they tether us down to where even the good things can't elevate us and lift us out of that, that gray. Not always dark, not always black, not always raining, but there's always an overcast over certain areas of our life. The betrayals of trust the hurts, all of those things have marked us significantly. Now here, I, I, most people would say, well, obviously I wanna leave behind all of that pain. But the problem is those things are unique to you. 
Nobody experienced them for you or like you. The words that were said to you about you, the abuse that you experienced, the trauma, the betrayal, the divorce, the family brokenness, the, the, the religious trauma, all of the things that happened to you only happened to you in that way. It's part of you. And in some way, it's helped you decide what you're not going to allow to happen to you again. And so the idea that if you leave that behind, you're leaving part of you behind. You're leaving the part of you behind that makes decisions about who you'll let into your life, how deeply you'll love someone, how much you'll protect yourself from betrayal or abuse or harshness again, the kind of things you'll do to make sure you never go through that financial crisis again. All of that has worked its way into your processing and if you leave that thing, if you let it go, if you don't carry it with you, then you don't have that tool in your tool belt anymore. And so will we leave that behind? And that's a harder question to answer. Maybe it's simply because we don't know how to leave it behind or because it has become so heavy. It's become so rooted. Um, I was replanting a sago palm that we had had inside of this, um, it was a pot about this big. It stood about that tall, and, but it was plastic. So it's not like it was porous or or, or there, was, there was anything for the roots to go into. And when I went to take it out of the pot, I tapped the sides really hard with a rubber mallet and I tried to move the soil and it would not let go. And I tried harder and I wet the soil a little bit and I tried even harder and it simply would not let go until I had to finally get out a grinder and cut the pot off because the roots had expanded and put pressure on and it, it gripped on every pore, it gripped on every imperfection of that, that pot it was in, it held on tightly, it did not want to come out and I had to fight to get it out. But can I tell you that where it's at now, it's better, it's thriving, it's growing. Psalm 55, 22 says this, Pile your troubles on God's shoulders. He'll carry your load. He'll help you out. He'll never let good people topple into ruin. Leave that up there for just a second. Listen to what that says. You don't even have to put them down and walk away from them. All you have to do is give them to God and let him carry them. God, if I trust you with this pain, will you promise not to rip it out of me? Will you promise not to uproot it in my life? Will you promise not to destroy me in the process of me letting this go to you? It says, give it to God and he'll carry it. Let God carry the heavy bag. I know our kids, they love to help and we go to the airport or we're taking luggage upstairs when we're staying with family and the kids wanna grab it, but we know it's beyond their ability to do it. And not only that, they destroy everything in their path when they're trying to carry things they're not supposed to. 
vases are falling over, cats are getting hurt. It's a terrible scene when we try to carry things we're not capable of carrying, but it says this, he'll help you out. He'll never let good people topple into ruin. Listen, when he's carrying your weight, you don't topple. When you carry your weight, you topple into ruin. He won't let it happen when he's carrying your weight. Third and finally is this. I want to experience, if I want to experience an unburdened life, I have to be honest about how heavy my baggage has actually become. How heavy my baggage actually become. So under British common law back a long, long time ago, there was a really inhumane practice called bien fuck de dieu. All right, that's French and not cussing. Um, in which a defendant being charged with something would be coerced into giving a plea if they would wanted to remain silent, stand mute, they called it. If they would not enter a plea, they were coerced by this brutal practice of laying them down and either placing a broad board on them and then beginning to stack heavier and heavier stones or just placing those stones directly on their chest. They would give them a chance one day if they refused to plea, they would put another stone on there. And day after day that would continue until they would either plea, guilty, innocent, or they would suffocate to death under the crushing weight of the stones. Why would someone not enter any plea? And here's the answer. Because under common law, if you entered a plea and then you were executed, because you were found guilty, you could plead innocent or guilty, but if you were found guilty and then executed, you lost all your property rights and your family would inherit nothing. But if you refuse to enter a plea, and you were crushed to death or killed in some other manner or just grew old and died, they could not seize your land. It had to go. You did not lose any of your possessions or property rights and your family would inherit everything that you owned. And so people would allow themselves to take on the weight of all these stones, one after the other, slowly suffocating and being crushed to death in the name of making sure that their family was taken care of. I thought that was fascinating, the lengths the pain that people will endure for the right reason. I don't know what your reason is for holding on to what you hold on to. I have my reasons for holding on to the things I hold on to. And we think all of our reasons are the best reasons. We, we think they're good justifications and rationalizations. We think those things are the right, compelling, the, 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 the moral high ground Maybe it's that we think we should be paying penance for our stupidity and our sin and our own badness and our own low worth. Maybe it's because we don't want to let go of that pain because it helps remind us that that person owes us something. And until they repent and, and beg for mercy or or we see something equally painful happen to them, we can't let it go. Whatever good, good reason we have, here we lay on the ground and stone after stone is piled on our chest. And more of our life-giving breaths are pushed out of us 
until we're just a walking corpse who's lost hope and lost the ability to dream and lost the ability to truly love and lost the ability to truly trust and lost the ability to live the life that God created us to live. It's remarkable how far we'll go and how much we'll let the weight of those things destroy us. Everything we have in our life has a weight. I want you to think for a moment. Maybe it'd be worth going home and writing this down. The cheating of my ex-spouse or current spouse. The hurtful words that my father or mother or teachers or cruel bullies at school would say to me that shaped how I see myself. And give it a weight. Measure it in tons or pounds. Whatever helps you give it a value because not everything will have the same value. Maybe be fair. Give the really bad things 10 pounds and the not so terrible things, two pounds. But when you get done with your list of accumulative trauma and hurt and sorrow and trials and pain that you've experienced all over your life, add up how much weight that is and say, would I love for this to be laying on my chest? Would I love to be under the weight of this? Would I love to carry this around with me on my back? on my shoulders, dragging it along with me. You'll see quickly the kind of impact all of these things are having on us. Over the next five weeks and the subsequent messages, we're gonna take on specific things. Some of the traumas and experiences and things we might be carrying around in our relationship with God which is different than maybe what we've experienced. We're gonna talk about some of the hurtful things and, that happen in church, in relationships. I really wanna encourage you, not only be here, bring somebody because your friends, I promise you, are going through something similar. And this is the kind of thing that people, whether they're following Christ yet or not, will go, wow, I need this. Maybe somebody who's been devastated by church will come and hear a church say this is how dangerous and harmful and hurtful churches can be when they do the wrong things to people under the name of God. And they might be able to let something go that they've carried, but I wanna tell you it's gonna be harder than you just laying it down one time. Listen to what this says, and this is where we end, Psalm thirty-four, eighteen. The Lord is close to those whose hearts have been broken and he saves those whose spirits have been crushed. I wanna tell you something that's not meant to discourage you further but meant to give you hope. This passage right here tells you that even after the weight of all of that has already broken your heart and crushed your spirit and you feel more alone than you've ever felt and you feel abandoned and you feel as if God doesn't hear your prayers, I want you to know that that is when God is closest to you. 
but it's also when your faith is ground up into powder. It's also when your heart has no rhythm other than the physical electrical beat that your brain sends the signal to create, but it's not pumping emotional or mental or spiritual health through you. So it would be hard to detect the presence of God. And I want you to know that God can restore the broken and rebuild the crushed. And so no matter how long you've been carrying the weight and how badly it's hurt you, there is hope to rebuild. Father, I wish that I could in some way see the thing in each person that's affecting them and weighing them down the most. So I could, as they walk out the door this morning, say, whisper in their ear, they weren't right about you. The things they said, those aren't true. You didn't deserve what that person did to you. The abuse that you endured wasn't your fault. They were a monster and you were a victim. The betrayal in your marriage, no matter how bad it had gotten, and no matter what you had done or hadn't done, you didn't deserve that. The thing that happened in your church that made you wonder if you could ever truly follow God, if you could ever be inside of a community of believers again, that was wrong. What happened there was wrong. I wish I could see that and speak to it. To maybe help them understand that you've been saying those same things to them all along. But maybe with a broken heart and a crushed spirit, it's been so hard to hear it inside with the ears of their spirit. And so I say it out loud for them today. And I pray that our conversation with you begins in which we begin to trust, even trusting you with the smallest thing that you can carry instead of us trying to carry it all. And little by little, pound by pound, we begin to offload onto you and make the next five weeks so impactful, so in healing, that there is a liberty and a freedom that sweeps across this church as we offload the baggage that keeps us from our highest and best in you. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you guys.